Welcome back to the James Randolphini podcast, talking about all things James Randolph and James Gandolfini and what they have in common. We have not yet found anything, but today we got a guest, my friend, very funny comedian, Dan Donahue, coming all the way out from Buzzards Bay. Who's James Randolph? I was wondering that, right? <laughs> Did you just make that up? Because there's a... Uh... Well, there's Steven Randolph, who's an L.A. comedian that I don't know personally. <laughs> so I shouldn't bring him up. I don't know him personally. I don't even know why you just brought him up. But I think that was in my head. And then I think there's <laughs> just a... Just bring up a random person that you don't have anything bad or nice to say about. I, I think he's funny as far as I know. He's a lot of good reviews from people I know. That's what I know about him. There's also James Baldwin, great Harlem Renaissance writer. And I yeah. think he got mixed in. It's William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, yeah, Citizen Kane. Dude, fuck all that. What's up, my treacherous little twin? It's wonderful to be here. Well, I text. It's it's normal for me to be here. It's my yeah. podcast, but I'm sure it's wonderful for you. I try to do some research on <laughs> to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. What I mean, I've find? known you for four years, but I watched a three minute video. Well, at first, I started watching a video of a guy on YouTube. That was uh, going over a map of Buzzards Bay from 1920. <laughs> it, was, it was a bird's eye view. Couldn't have changed more and he since was, 1920. He was really bad at it. He yeah. was like, so there's some houses <laughs> over here. He didn't know anything. He was just going through the map. And he's like, you can see New Bedford's over here. And I'm like, I can see. I don't need you. Right. I did watch a People's History of either New Bedford or Buzzards Bay. Well, okay. New Bedford is like in, it's around the bay. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. close. Yeah. So I watched it. Are you aware of the 1991 uh, radio tower collapse? Yes. That was pretty big for you guys. Yeah, well, so there was a, a woman who lived... So you know the history of the radio tower now, right? I mean, I know it was one of the best... It was one of the... It could go, like, transatlantic People almost. People would show up in cars to listen to... Like, would surround it because they would broadcast... Like, they would uh, amplify the what was being broadcast. Yeah. Um, I believe that had to do with Hetty Green, who's a very fascinating character. I have New Bedford to read about Hetty Green. No, I watched a three-minute video, and it was just one guy talking, and yeah. I think that guy just lives there. Yeah, it's <laughs> oh, in the radio tower? No, no, no. I mean, they did, like, it was called A People's History. Yeah. And it was just one, one guy person. who definitely just lives around there. Right. And he's describing it about this radio tower collapsing because of the storm, and then at the end, he's like... You know, I used to throw icicles off there, like three-foot icicles. I thought I was going to get harpooned. So, honestly, I was pretty happy when it fell. I don't miss it a day. And it was weird because at first it was like... <laughs> That's a people's history. Yeah, it was like a slice of history. And then at the end, he's like, I don't miss that fucking thing. I don't fuck with that thing one bit. But it was like a pride and joy of the community. And he Absolutely. was like, he's like, there's Kapawaya going all under the ground over here, which I wonder if it's been dug up by... Oh. Right? Yeah. Oh, if there's it, copper wire. Because yeah. if I liked meth... Then I would I'd be digging all over New Bedford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons yeah, of yeah. copper wire there. Yeah, just tons of like shit in general. No, well, thank you so much for doing all of that research. Well, I really appreciate. it. You know, it. I've known you for I don't know four to five years now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I thought I should do just so you feel comfortable. So, so New Bedford is home to one of the most uh, interesting historical figures of all time, Hetty Green, who I know, uh, I know the, that name. The Witch of Wall Street uh, is what they called her. She was a very fascinating character, the richest woman uh, of like of that time in history, and also like dollar for dollar, if you adjust for inflation, one of the richest women in history. Didn't she become like a recluse or something? She always was. She was always 
in her own ways a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, now that was also overblown by like the media of the time because obviously like a rich woman who is a very shrewd negotiator is going to be painted as a piece of shit. But also two things can be true at once. She was also like a fucking nightmare. Well, yeah, I think that's such like a, like I'm sure she was like a nightmare in weird ways in her own right, but it's such a weird critique of like very successful women at a time full of like misogyny where they're like, and she was also a bitch and you're like, well, yeah, because yeah. she was entering into a man's world. There's no way that she could be like, hey, guys, and everyone would be like, good to see you on Wall Street, Hetty. Right. Well, she uh, basically uh, got her son's leg amputated needlessly. So What was his problem? He, <laughs> no, he was a fucking anti-feminist, I'll tell you that much. Couldn't kick a football? Couldn't kick a football. I'd amputate my son's mind. leg. <laughs> You're not using it. If I have a son, I want to be a football dad, but I'm gonna like push him to be like a punter. Yeah, and like somebody oh, nobody respects on the team. That happens now. Actually, that's a good idea because like that's a pretty good way to get a kid into the NFL. Yeah, because like because like I'm not. If I had a kid, they're not gonna be big, unless like Meredith has a big growth spurt or something. Yeah. Like, but you think that would make your kid big? I don't know. I'm just saying like if I were to breed. With my girlfriend right now, yeah. we would have a small child. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if I yeah. wanted him to get into the NFL, I would make him a punter. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's smart as fuck, actually. But, dude, punters are fucking yoked now. They got to be big. Well, are they tall though? Do they need to be tall? I I think so to see over the line. Yeah, that like well, and they need long legs. Like a long leg and a long lever helps with a kick. But um, back to Hetty Green, her, her son. So she was like the cheapest person in history. And uh, her son got gangrene in his leg because she wouldn't take him to a doctor. She just refused to spend the money to take him to a doctor. But to be fair, I think it was just mental illness because she also had hernias all over her stomach, like herniated like crazy. And she would not spend like the $50 to get the hernias fixed. She just walked around with hernias and she would just strap them down. She would strap them? Yeah, she would strap her hernias even, Like, down. so they don't pop out? Yes. Like, she would wear, like, a girdle? Yes. For hernia? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and th- those can, One like, second. necrotize. It's really fucked up. Oh, yeah. But, uh, Hetty, uh, I think Hetty had something to do with the radio tower. It might have been something that was donated out of her trust, because that was a big thing when she died. Her kids just spent every penny of her money. Yeah, because she definitely wouldn't, like, why would she build a radio tower? Yeah, I don't. She I don't wouldn't think she care. Would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she made money through stocks. Yes, she was a great trader. I feel like insider trading was just how trading was done. Yeah, like, yeah you know yeah, what I mean. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, most yeah. trading would be like you'd go up to a guy and you'd be like, "Do you know anything?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, this guy's cheating on his wife," <laughs> and this is my friend at the New York Times. He's about to expose him, and you're like, "Oh, great." Yeah, Good they're about to come out with this dump? thing called cornmeal. Yeah. Yeah, let's put oh, all would... our money in cornmeal. Yeah, that's the insider trading. You're like, they made a bread slicer. <laughs> it's about to blow up. That's never going to fucking work. That's never going to work. You're crazy. I play the stock market quite often in a game on my phone. <laughs> you're, you're really upsetting. I've made millions of dollars in the stock market. And I've gotten, I've gotten arrested and accused and beat cases for insider trading many times. <laughs> it's a very in-depth game called BitLife where you can play the stock market. And if you start investing enough, you get tips from friends. Right. And they're like, they're about to introduce a new product. you got to buy in now. Right. Do, do they have, like, high-end sex workers if you start doing good in the game? 
Can you? Oh, no, but sometimes in the game, just randomly, they'll be like, you were walking down the street and a sex worker wants to solicit you. Whoa, really? So you can have the option to, like, ignore them, solicit them, or, like, attack them. <laughs> um, that, okay, that is a very accurate Wall Street game now. When you're talking about guys on Wall Street, yeah. attack them is absolutely an option. What's fun is it's not even a Wall Street game. It's just one of the things you can do. One so you can you like do. kill your wife, go to jail, come back, start working the Wall Street, get some money. <laughs> I'm hearing very little about stocks right now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You got to read, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes into play. I like to put my you money... You start an NFL career and then you can just play... Yes. <laughs> yes. You can be almost... You can be a professional in most sports that have lucrative professional industries. <laughs> The only problem with the game is you can't be in the Olympics, so yeah, runners mean, have no shot. Bullshit. But I like to put my money in bonds. Okay. Do you you invest? Do you invest? You I have like money in the stock market. Uh, not really though. When like, my dad died, there were like certain aspects of a portfolio left over, and then but I just leave it where it is. There's some guy who is siphoning off. I am sure every penny of that money. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's that's my issue where it's like. Oh, if you don't know how to do the stock market, like this guy will do it for you. And I'm like, but not like for me. Right. Like he'll take my money. Right. But it's not like he's like, oh, Cooper's going to make a bunch of money. Like, I guess, you know, if I make money, then I stay happy and he doesn't have to worry as much. But yeah. like he can also just lie to me. Yeah. I mean, indexes are always like kind of a safe investment or whatever, but I don't, I really have no idea. And I also don't, I mean, or just like bury it under a mattress. But I don't, here's the thing. We are going to make the wrong decision with our money, no matter what, uh, just by virtue of who we are. Yeah, that's my thing. Is yeah. like I have this inheritance from my grandma that's like $56,000, I think. I had to spend— You're putting the money—and Cooper's putting the money— For the pocket watchers out there, Cooper's putting that money out there. It's just stuck in a bank account. And inflation is probably beginning to slowly kill it. Sure. But I need to put it into some sort of long-term thing. Sure. My thing is, it's on my dad's side of the family. And he was like, okay, so like, we'll set up a Liberty Mutual account for you so you can like put it places, you know, and like put it in the market. And he was going to help me with that. But then also my stepdad is like, I have this lady... <laughs> and, well, she's yeah. an accountant, but he's like, I got this lady... Okay, well, you should have said accountant then. <laughs> I know, but I don't. He's like, I got this. God. Yeah, there's there's some fucking bitch. Yeah, that there's some. Get, she'll take your fucking money over here. Some gal from around the way. Uh, <laughs> I know. Tell you what, I don't know what she does with it, but she throws there's it a, on the corner. There's some there's some uh, some lady at a gas station. I know. You think you could give her a few thou just to I see mean, what happens? I'd like to throw down, but but it was funny because he was like, yeah, I I give her like stuff to invest, mm -hmm. and she's like done really great for me. Sure, and I trust her. And he's like a, he's like a business he's like interested in money, sure, because he's like a businessman. I mean, he's not like he's not like a stock guy, but right. I kind of want to give her my money, but I kind of feel bad telling my dad like, "Hey, stepdad has an idea." Well, you should uh, let the stepdad have an idea. Um, listen, uh, many years ago, your mom had an idea, and now everyone's life is a little bit better because of it. You know what I mean? It's other, a little bit better. Other people's ideas matter. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and the other thing is, I, I understand the apprehension here. And it, just to take a quick time out, I love having a financial conversation. Two people, we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. And I am in a gray tank top that has not been mentioned yet on the podcast. 
And I do kind of feel like that's your job as the host. Well, honestly, the people that are going to be watching this podcast yeah. are your fans. And then also okay. a few of mine yeah. who are just our friends. Yeah. So everybody watching, they've seen it. Yeah. Like okay. this is so, you know what's so funny is when you started walking around in gray tank tops. I started casually. Oh, wait. Oh, this is the picture I wanted to show you. Wait, and we'll put a pause in the financial conversation, but I do have to show you this. I went to the new Beverly and, uh, which is a movie, theater. a movie theater. Yeah. And, uh, with my two friends, they both got up and I had to claim our seats. So I, I had a flannel over this literally the same outfit. And so I was just walking around the new Beverly in a tank top and the new Beverly is just full of like film buffs. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And I was having, this is a picture I took. Were there people... Okay, so... There's people in front of me, there's people behind me. It's hard to me. show the camera, but Dan yeah. is in a movie theater, and he's in his seat, and he's flexing. Yeah. But he turned around towards the screen, which means there are seats facing you. Yeah, there were guys as, looking directly at me while I flexed in a tank top at the New Beverly. But here's the thing. I would never do that if I didn't think it was funny. You think they thought that you thought it was funny, or do you think that you were a jock and they were like, "This jock just walked into a movie theater and this yeah, is what he does." Here's what's funny: is that is exactly what they thought, and that's what I I I love the idea of someone, and it was me. So I understand that this isn't the perfect, but uh, anyway, I no, love the idea. Yeah. You got to do it of going to the New Beverly and just being a rude jock. And I wasn't. I was being rude to people, by the way. I wasn't. No, I, I wasn't think, getting I into people's that. spaces, but there's something about being buff in the New Beverly mm. that I think is so funny. Well, what's funny about the New Beverly is it's owned by Quinn and Tarantino, right? And so it gets a lot of like his fans, which I think are usually um, not that all. I mean, I, I like Quinn and Tarantino a lot, but like his fans are still dudes, yeah. but they're like pussies. And some of them could border on incel. Meant, so like, there's a good there's a good size contingent. I would say there's also a jock contingent of Quentin fans. Of course, yeah. So right. you just look like a guy right. that's in his movies. <laughs> like you, all you look like right now is just like the runner up for Bear Jew. You oh, know what I mean, dude? That role would have. I mean, obviously, I'm not Jewish, so it wouldn't have been, felt right. But I would have. I mean, if they gave that role, come on. You know who was the first option? Oh, tell me. Adam Sandler. That, I mean, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. If Adam got jacked for a movie, that would be so sick. I think he was literally, like, busy doing Grown Ups too. Yeah. Which is so funny because somebody, like, a film buff could make the argument of, like, why would he not, like, what a what a terrible thing to pass up, you know? And it's like, yeah. but think about Adam's perspective. Yeah. It's like, can I hang out with my closest boys for a while? With eight of my best friends, and we all make $12 million. I mean, obviously, Adam's making way more than that, but you get my point. Because Adam is, like, an amazing actor, and I'm sure loves the process and loves working with new people. Yeah. But also, it's like, the guy's, like, 50. So I'm sure he's not like, oh, my God, the chance to work with Quentin Tarantino. He's like, I made the Hanukkah song. Like, my life's He'll fine. Play basketball with Quentin Tarantino. Like, yeah. There's no... There's no need for that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's like shitty about that stuff, it really. Th here's why Adam Sandler has such a sick life and career is because he doesn't have to give a shit no. about working with Quentin Tarantino. No. He get you know what he's already done. He was already the water boy. 
Yeah. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. And that's not even his best movie. Uh, well, that, you know, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Is that what you think his best movie is? I do love it. I love it, too. I watched it all the time. It was on Comedy Central like nine times a week. Nine times a week. So I'd watch really it all like the, the time. Yeah. Like the Adula Oblongata, and he doesn't know how to say it in the classroom. Well, it's, it's funny because he'll do like a silly comedy, like just kind of a silly family comedy, like Punch Drunk Love. But then every now and again, he'll do something that takes a little bit more intense thought like Waterboy. And that's what's cool about him. Is he's like kind of. Yeah, I thought you were going to say like an Uncut Gems or something. I think everybody. Um, what do you, how do you mean? Well, that no, was... yeah, he he can do like a silly family romp like Uncut Gems. Yeah, but then he can do like a heady, intense movie like uh, you know, uh, I mean Billy Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison's in the canon. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's I mean, not, he dies in Uncut Gems. It's minor. He it's gets minor him. Sandler, but yeah, Billy Madison, I guess, is like an art film in its own way. He gets murdered in that. Like gems. I'm trying to get the Safdie brothers to start directing my podcast because I love <laughs> the tension they have. And what I'd, do you think they would do? Well, I would love if like mid episode, if like somebody burst in and they were like, where's the money? You know, like that oh, kind of thing. And then like, cool. or like you go on the podcast and I'm like, thanks for coming on. But like, I'm fucked right now, you right. know? And like, you have to help me out. Or I something. come up and there's noise in the bathroom and I'm like, what's that? And it's like, someone's fucking married. In the bathroom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Somebody's fucking my girlfriend in the bathroom and it is ruining my life. <laughs> But I'm like, but I'm like so like addicted to gambling he's that a I like. Guest, he's a guest on the podcast. I have to let him do it. Yeah, like the like the theme of the podcast is like I'm addicted to gambling yeah. and like I cheat a lot, but it's just to get like blowjobs I can't come from. Right. And my girlfriend cheats all the time and hates me. Yeah. But like we live in like a house that's like really nice, but it just looks like a worse version of Tony Soprano's. You know, right. it's like not even it's not even like my house. You know, right. there's no like me in the house. Sure. Like it's just columns. You know, and like. What's great know. about you is you could never be a gambling addict because the games themselves make you too frustrated. You know what's so funny about gambling is there's literally no part of it I enjoy. Yeah. There's like none of it. Because every time I've told you this before, but like like you and Nate and Will and all our friends are, have gotten really into gambling. So like sometimes I'll play with you and then well, I get into poker and also gambling. I am a gambler. I do like the game. You love to <laughs> I don't gamble. even know why I tried it. Why I like gambling, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's natural that if you're into gambling, you immediately start talking like a gambling addict because you you want to justify it in right. some way, and yeah. you don't need to to me. Yeah, I'm fine with a vice. Yeah, and your vice involves math, so to me that's that's science. But yeah. I'll play with you guys, and then I'm like, oh, this is fun, and then I like two minutes in, I'm like, oh wait, they do this all the time, right? And I don't do this, and I don't care about it, and then that is when I will go, okay, I'm not going to quit. Let's try and learn a little, and then I'll ask Nate. I'll be like, so what happens here? And then he'll go, okay, so there's... And then once he says, like, flop, my brain is just, like, I get reminded. I go, oh, I don't give a fuck about this. Like, right. I think this is gay. Like, right. I, this fucking sucks. Sure. And then I just... Then I go, oh, yeah, I don't like this. And I'm going to lose. Yeah. And it's going to take, like, an, like, three hours for this yeah. to be over. And if I play conservatively... All that's going to happen is I'm going to lose my money slower. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, time to go, like, half all in. Right. And then another half, and then I'm out, and then I go, well, once I'm out, whatever, I'm done. But then I get out, and then I'm so much more angry than I thought I'd be. And then, like, like we went up to Big Bear for a friend Eli's birthday. I'm dropping so many names, dropping hard names. We went up to Big Bear for a friend Eli's birthday, and they all love poker, so obviously they brought poker, and we start playing poker. And uh, I'm, like, the first out, and I just had to, like, move away from everybody in the cabin. Yeah. Where I was like, why'd I come up here? 
These are all liars. I, I poker is a inherently divisive, alienating game that should never be played for like a silly fun. Yeah, that's what yeah, I don't get. I'm yeah. like, wait, why was this fun? I'm it's like, what not. about this was fun? No, it's not. It's it's a way for gambling addicts to feel like they're not gambling. It's also a great way to feel good at gambling. Yeah, like playing with me. Also, I was out, and then, like, my girlfriend's there, so it's not like she gives a fuck, but in my mind, I'm like, I look like an idiot. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, she played for a long time, and she was really, like, she played well, you know, for somebody that never plays poker, but when she did, finally, all her chips were gone, I was like, fuck you. I was like, yes. No, not fuck her. Yeah. But I was like, I'm like, I'm glad we both lost. Yeah. Because if she won, I'd be like, oh, you got to You're going to leave me now. Yeah. You're going (laughs) to leave. Oh, great. I have to find a new girlfriend because you have to be good at poker. It's really weird to be like 24 growing up in California in 2023, but still have the thoughts of like a very insecure, like short, bald man in the 20s. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like, why would she ever be with me? No, I mean, we're still all fucked up. Welcome back to the Gail Sayers Homosexual Sex Life Podcast, talking about all homosexual experiences experienced by Gail Sayers, famous Chicago Bears running back. Running back only played for, I think, two or three years professionally. Is that true? Yeah, very. He he had uh, a really serious injury that uh, like cost him what would have been an insane illustrious career. He's one of the greatest we've ever known. Most one of the most elusive running backs of all time. Okay, this may or may not be twenty two minutes into the episode or not, but my phone decided to be full of storage as I was recording, even though I've been freeing up space like a motherfucker. I smell bad. It's it's dank in here. Well, I it's my I I I, and I do appreciate you uh, diverting it to the room, but I do I smell bad right now. I feel like something about having a gray tank top makes you smell a little bit worse. Well, you wanted to record this podcast like thirty minutes later than the first plan, so you could work out. Yeah, you didn't shower, did you? No, I did. I did. I did. Oh, okay. But I just I'm stinky. All right. I sh- I shower and I'm still stinky. I was golfing with my friend the other day, and he was drinking beers, and it was also hot, and I smelled something, and I'm like, that's not even beer, that's beer sweat. Yeah, dude. It's beer sweat. I don't know what I eat, though, because I, I eat pretty clean. It's just, I think that there's just, like, uh, something evil inside of me that comes out of the pores. I think you work out too much, so your body's producing too much testosterone. I don't much. work out too much. But I'm saying you work out enough that your body's, like... Producing more shit. You know what's funny? I like me. I don't even know if I have high testosterone. But doesn't working out a lot kind of increase that if you're like pumping all the time? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I read an article recently about how testosterone, like naturally occurring testosterone, is actually like not a heavy, like not the highest, most significant marker in the things that you think it is, like virility and energy and muscle mass and stuff. There's like multiple hormones that do that, but because uh, injecting synthetic testosterone gives you those qualities, we think naturally occurring testosterone at a high level also gives you those qualities, but it's not necessarily true. I think I have uh, something in my uh, my, my penal gland or some. I'm like producing your penal gland. Yeah, you know the penal gland. You do pineal gland or your penal gland. I've heard people call it penal. Okay. Yeah. The one I, in like your third eye area. I thought it was back here. Oh, I don't know. 
There's one back here that okay. like releases a lot of stuff. I got some tests back from the doctor, and it said I, I was producing a little too much tea. Oh, too much testosterone. But I was like, is this like worrisome? He's like, it's not enough that it's like a problem. But yeah. at first, I thought that it wasn't enough, yeah. and I Googled symptoms of that, and I was like, I feel like that's that might be my issue. I feel sluggish. And then I emailed him, and he's like, no, you read the test wrong. It's the opposite. Oh. And I was like, damn, I'm too pumped up. Yeah, you got I'm too, too jacked. You're too strong. That's dude. awesome. Oh, yeah, baby. I Maybe did that's wanna... why you're able to drink and do drugs so much. I don't drink that much. Not anymore, but you used to. I mean, I was drinking like... Oh, come on. I had a three... It's not even... That because it's honestly, it's like you judge. Like, the reason I think LeBron James, and I don't watch a lot of basketball, the reason I think he's okay, time out. I know you are about to divert when you start bringing up LeBron James when we're talking about your drinking. I know you're about to divert to such a high magnitude, it's going to be asked, it's going to be crazy. I'm going, I'm going back to myself, and I'm not even comparing myself to LeBron James, so I'm very likable and charming. Go ahead. The reason I think he's the greatest basketball player is not just because of what he's done, but the fact that he's done it for so long and still performs at such a high level. And I don't think I have that prowess in drinking where it's like, you know, if we want to talk about drinkers like a Burt Kreischer, he's been like partying for so long, but he's still performing at such a high level. I only I'm like a Gail Sayers where it's like you're Gail Sayers. I was just going to say I only had like a few month run of drinking like at least four drinks every single day. And that was it. Like, that was all I did. I would say there were a couple. I would say you had a couple campaigns. You had a few solid uh, marches into France as Napoleon. But it wasn't even like benders. It was like I would just go to work and then I would just drink like six doubles of makers throughout yeah. the night, which is like close to tennis shots with how those are being poured. Oh, yeah. They're just heavy pours. But like, you got to realize it's like, if you're just like taking a shot of bourbon like every half hour, it's like it's not the craziest thing in the world. You just feel like a civil war general. See, it's it's unfathomable to me because I don't I've never drank regularly at any point in my life, so I don't really have like any sort of barometer for it. But when you say ten shots, that that might kill me. No, nah, you could take it. I don't think so. You could take you throw up. You'll be fine. I throw up all the time. I've thrown up after, like, two drinks. Yeah, well, because it's... Your body's not, like, maybe acclimated enough to the alcohol, but it will acclimate to the poison. And also, you might not have, like, a history of that in your family that's prepared you to be good at oh no oh i i am break i am breaking a long and powerful lineage oh yeah oh okay so oh yeah yeah see the new generation soft yeah we're soft yeah did i ever tell you about the first time i got drunk maybe i i threw up harder and more powerfully that because first time i got drunk i got drunk we drank rum and beer and i was 16 17 and there was a girl in my neighborhood who... Uh, Isn't who, there always? There's There always is. Well, th- th- that's not where the story goes. But uh, she was like, oh, uh, like, I want to go home. Could someone walk me home? She was with her friend. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll walk you guys home. So I walked them home, which is about, like, mile, mile and a half, right? But safe roads, right? So I get there. You don't want to walk. Well... Not when you're drunk. You don't want to walk. So I have to walk back. And I go, well walk back i'm i'm as virile as a fucking as a fox with a goddamn syringe in its arm not on the sauce let's jog 
See, that's where you're dumb. Yeah. That you just that's 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 why you can't drink a lot is you keep trying to be an athlete. Yeah. So I I ran Of course you threw up. Quickly. You probably wouldn't have if you didn't jog. A mile and a half. And I emptied the contents of two stomachs. Did you have the kind of throw up where it like it's it's like really fast? Where like you don't even like maybe you just kind of, you know the thing you can do. Yeah. I'm really good at throwing up, but you know that thing you can do where you don't even have to put your finger in the back of your throat. You just go like, and then it tells the stomach like, "Let's do it." Oh, and then, there was no finger. Yeah, no, it was the kind of throw up where I I don't remember much of that night, but I remember halfway through I was like, "There is no way I ate this much." But it's really fast, right? Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, it is. Exciting. Like when, if you have like a lot of bourbon in your stomach and you've already gotten drunk and now. Like the getting drunk part is over. It's just starting to turn on you. That is when I like to throw up because yeah. I'll do a thing that's not healthy. But if I've drank a lot during the night, once I get back home, if I'm like, well, I've already gotten drunk off this liquor, it's just going to hurt me now, but it's still in my stomach. Let's just get it out. Right. And then I just go, Burr! and yeah. just, it's so exciting when it just pops out of you. And then you see all that demon juice flood out of you, and then you feel kind of an emptiness and a slight headache in your head, but you yeah. know that it can't hurt you I, anymore. I got, a, I got a big headache. To this day, I still get sick whenever I walk a woman home. No, I'm kidding. Whenever I see rum. Really? Yeah. Rum specifically? Rum. Mm. I have that experience with uh, the smell of a bong. <laughs> you go on. Water in a bong. because You used to drink so much of it. I never did that. We had a friend that did that, and now he's Everybody like does. getting a doctorate or something. Yeah. But uh, he was so smart that he was he could party. Yeah. But we would take uh, like light blue American spirits and then cover the bottom of the bowl, and then we would take weed, usually an indica, and then cover that. And then I, not everybody, but I would take the American spirit again, and then I would cover all of the weed. So you have a sandwich of like tobacco, weed, tobacco, and then you take it all at once. And it hits you, and I call it the heroin of weed. Yeah. Because it knocks you out, and it makes you sick. How old it, were you? Uh, I mean, this was this was from, like, I don't know, 15 to 17. It's so funny, because that, that age range... Almost every day, I'd say. There's such a fork in that age range, because at that age range, you're either doing what you were doing or learning the piano. And there's no, like... I was playing guitar. Yeah. Doing cool shit. That's true. You know? But I, it got to a point where um, I would, every time I did, because usually I would go to school and I'd smoke two spliffs in the morning before speech and debate, and then I would take about... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What do you mean before speech and debate? Speech and debate was an early class before yeah. the school was really open. So me and my friend would meet up. I'd pick him up. We'd go in my was car. High school? Yeah. Speech and debate, wow. And then we'd smoke two spliffs, and then we'd go to speech and debate. What was it like doing speech and debate off two spliffs? Well, spliffs, um, it's not like regular weed because of the tobacco. It actually gets you in the zone. Okay. So we just go, you just go in and you're just belligerent. Right. Because the way to practice speech and debate, there's not really wrong as long as you're like putting in effort. So like you would just like belligerently debate people and like, you know, be kind of mean. Like I remember like there was a there was like a girl in my class in the speech and debate class, and they're like, we're going to do a mock debate. And I was like, okay, uh, what should the topic be? And I knew her favorite band was 21 Pilots, right, that band? So I was like, why not 21 Pilots? She defends 21 Pilots, and I hate it. Um, and then we did that. I remember 
we were in the clash where you're allowed to interrupt and she started making a case for 21 pilots and then i just started yelling one of their songs where i was like wish i could turn back time to the and just you know high at like seven in the morning which i i miss that of having to get up every day for school where like seven in the morning was just like this is when i'm up you know like that doesn't i don't know that time anymore i don't know what goes on at that time anymore but i'll do that and then at lunch i would take about two of those chops or, or mooks we'd call them or mokes a lot of different words for it and then after school maybe do the same thing and then sometimes at night i'd meet up with my friend noah and then we'd take more and i remember at night when we had a run of session like that i would throw up almost every time session. yeah session you get the session. session but i would throw up almost every time and then now whenever i smell like dank bong water i'm like what the f- you would throw up from weed well, it's weed and also like a bunch tobacco. of uh, like half of a cigarette yeah, at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eventually your body is like, we're done. And then you go for like three more months. I love the idea of whatever teach because I didn't have speech and debate. Uh, I love the idea of the teacher that was like, we should have speech and debate. It will teach kids to communicate with one another. It will teach them to learn how to examine ideas that maybe are not their own. And then just two white morons <laughs> just start screaming <laughs> just thinking about the teacher being like no well what's funny though is the guy that i would smoke with before he got me into speech and debate and he was the leader of the class and he was Whoa. the he was the best debater and he went on to Berkeley and studied uh, political economy and studied in Israel and parts of the Middle East for a while Whoa. and he's like the most intelligent person i know yeah but he's just he just also at that time liked to smoke weed. Right. So he wasn't necessarily like he would actually debate people. And I would, I would do literally the same form of debate that Trump does. Yeah. I know that. I guess, I guess just you then. It's just me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like we would have speech and debate shows. And I remember like we debated, uh, peeing in the shower and I was against my friend Kogan and it really, uh, <laughs> it's his last name, but that's what we called him. Uh, but, uh, it it spoke a lot to like energy and also how you present yourself. Right, I watched the video back and it's very embarrassing. But I was I was holding a yardstick and I was using that a lot, a lot of visual pageantry. But he was he was on the side of not peeing in the shower. I was on the side of peeing in the shower. And then very quickly in the debate, I was like, I'm not on the side of peeing in the shower. I'm a, I'm pro choice. I'm like I'm on the side of you have the option to pee in the shower if you want to because we live in a free country. And he is going against the tenets of our own constitution saying that you don't even have the right. So I'm like, I'm not telling you to pee in the shower. I'm telling you, you can and should be allowed to. Right. And so that point, you're no longer debating the actual topic. You don't have to defend peeing in the shower. You just say, this guy's trying to take your freedom and I'm trying to preserve it. And then when Trump was getting elected, I was like, oh yeah, he's going to win. Right. Because that's what you do. Because there's no beating that. Right. Like if you actually, like Hillary was uh too smart you know she was well, she just, was pro 21 pilots just for the record i do think biden did beat him biden did beat him yeah but it's because the the that form of debate it does get old sure like it's hard to do twice sure it's hard to do that form of debate when then have a pretty controversial presidency right. and then come back and do the same thing that form of debate really works when there's no like no one can either even call on anything for you to back it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like it's it's a really good form to be like you you suck at this. 
You don't do anything. You suck. Yeah. And it's like, well, what about... It's like, I, I've never been president, but I'm going to be great. That's great. Trump yeah. is the best at getting elected president the first time. The first time. He's so good at it. Yeah. But once you have four years of being president, then people can be like, what about the last four years? And like that bullshitting can kind of only... Up. It only goes... Yeah. What, you know, shut like... Up. You can kind of only say shut up, which yeah. like for his forum debate is the right answer. Right. But it's like, yeah, you either actually debate the topics, which is what they want you to do in speech and debate, or you fucking win. Right. You know, and it's like, so it's one or the other. That's why I did speech more. I don't like debate. I don't like debate because I like to go on stage and just say what I think and have everybody agree with it. Yeah, when that's, someone starts disagreeing, it gets a little touchy. That's why know. I don't, you know, that's why I don't do crowd work. That's why I don't like hecklers. It's like, no, I'm doing speech right now, not debate. I started doing crowd work in Boston. Should be illegal. Did a little bit of crowd work. Sat on the stool, did crowd work. I showed you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I hope everybody watching realizes the magnitude of, of that. Of yeah. Sitting on the stool in stand-up comedy is usually something that is only not judged when you are, like, a legend in comedy. Right. Who's also preferably old and yeah. kind of sitting on the stool would help. Yeah. And also, crowd work is, like, a pretty... I don't know, like braggadocious almost way to do stand up. No, you know I mean? that's that's some, that's on some white bullshit. I mean, dude. I think I think crowd work that's is, on some white I don't ass think, bullshit. I don't think crowd work is inherently bad, but I do think it is a certain kind of confidence to be like, I'll just fucking talk, and then you guys, this will be funny. Was, well, a certain kind. Of, I, I mean, it's a certain kind of confidence to go up and do material. Definitely, yeah. But to be like, I bet I could talk to you, and this would be funny. Like, I mean, there's ways to not do it like a douchebag, for sure, 100%. I don't think crowd work is bad at all. Sure. But sitting on the stool and doing crowd work? That's the best. That's like you're, uh, I mean, you're Joseph Goebbels. Like, that's oh, like absolute. so good. That's the problem, is it feels way too good for the comedian oh, to do. Oh, it felt so, I was just sitting down and just kind of like. Oh, See that's nice not sho- nice shoes, dude. <laughs> I like I like stand up where it's like I'm standing up here and I really want to make you guys laugh and I feel very vulnerable. Yeah, but something about sitting down and doing crowd work. I is wanted almost... people to laugh. I just wanted to of course. put my little tushy on the stool. See how it felt. Take take your ass off the stool. You work out so much yeah. and you and you for some reason well, more thing, than dude. any. When I stand up, I think it's too imposing for people. When I'm sitting down, they go, maybe I could attack him. You do workouts that like guys in obscure Olympic events do, yes. where you'll be like, I'm practicing my grip strength. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, you don't yeah. even need that. Well, no, you do. Grip strength is incredibly important to overall strength. Yeah, I mean, like, I nobody cares. You know the, what I mean? It's like you do, the PSI, which is how I know you love working out, that you work out yeah. stuff that doesn't even get you pussy. Like right. you work out stuff that's just like, dude, my well, thumb is so much stronger. Dude, if if a girl saw the kind of pounds per square foot I'm pulling with my grip strength, I think that maybe they would get a little bit intrigued. Yeah, you do have that. He has a he has a machine where you grab it and it and it shows the pressure. I bring it to open mic with. sometimes. It's awesome. Yeah, you really push the bars on if you should be allowed at an open mic. Yeah, yeah. When I started bringing the kettlebell, I think people kind of got upset. Well, it was kind of weird because you were like a. You know, you were just like a nice guy. I still am. And no, totally. What the you hell? Still are. I, <laughs> let me finish. You were a nice guy. People on the east side did judge you because you were buff. Yeah. But then they heard your words and your voices, and you had conversation with them, and they realized you're a really nice guy. And once you turn that corner of being accepted, you immediately start bringing. <laughs> immediately, like next day, brought a kettlebell. It became their worst nightmare. Just went full Rogan on everybody. Well, it's not. Here's the thing. I don't even think Rogan would be bringing. No, that's he's why, a professional. No, no, no. That's why the reason I really liked it. Or okay, a couple of reasons. One, I think it points at the absurdity 
of the current landscape of stand-up comedy. Oh, so you were being subversive. I was being subversive. Well, and I mean this. People don't understand, especially back then when more people in L.A. were doing comedy. Now, no one in L.A. is doing stand-up. Like, even the people who are doing are doing stand-up comedy will do, like, the Laugh Factory twice and then go back to whatever kind of commercial acting they're doing. Yeah, so, nobody, yeah. That, that, that's what sta- sta- people, yeah. Nobody does stand-up 95% of the people who do stand-up comedy will do two comedy chateau spots, two Laugh Factory spots somehow, and then will go back to commercial acting. Which is, by the way, commercial acting, a better and honestly more dignified form of making money. Nowadays. Yes. I mean, not actually, but... You know, I, I, for the most part, I mean, when, when you look at what most people do on stage and then you look at commercial acting, it's like there's more dignity in the commercial. Acting. I was going to say stand up is more dignified because at least you're saying things that are true to you. But most people don't do that. And how many people are doing that? Nobody. Thank you. So yeah, nobody does that. When, now, like back back uh, when I was bringing kettlebells to open mics, which I was doing, and I was also bringing boxing gloves at certain points. And you were I brought, fighting on the patio of I, like an East Side pussy mic. I brought dumbbells once, once to an open mic, okay, and we did break a light once because we were doing kettlebell swings too ferociously. But, I remember you being asked to leave the patio of the Lyric Hyperion because you were working out on it. Yeah, and then we went to the sidewalk. While people were, like, writing scripts. Yeah, and then we were working out on the sidewalk. And they didn't want you on the sidewalk either. And I, and I But they can't they can't get you off the goddamn sidewalk. They can't. Okay, we can still do that in this country. They probably Googled if they could. Yeah, and then they came up with all the NIMBY shit that comes up when you say, can I get someone off the sidewalk? And they were like, oh, well, this doesn't align with our politics, so fuck you, I'm going to do kettlebell swings on the sidewalk. Anyway, so... Um, we were stuck at the, cause this is when I first moved to LA. So I wasn't shit. And the guy was mostly working out with Malik had moved to LA semi recently and he wasn't shit. So we were waiting in line at these open mics or waiting in the bucket at these open mics where they were pulling. They, it wasn't even just like a one out of 50 chance because they were pulling their friends before they pulled us, which is just kind of how open mics work. So we would be stuck at, if we want to do three spots, three-minute spots, nine minutes of stand-up comedy in a night, we would end up waiting for th- – this is not an exaggeration. You can attest to this. Four to six hours yeah, to do that. like 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. was the time. Mother, I can't find time to work out. Yeah. I worked a job. I worked a job, and I went straight to open mic, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to bring the kettlebell. I'm going to work out at these open mics. Yeah. Okay? Sorry. But when but, you explain that, people people hate that explanation so much more. Like, I just can't find the time to work out. I can't find the time to work out, so I'm going to do it at this open mic. I'm so sorry that you've decided to uh, not utilize this two and a half hours that you have. And, or, and also, I'm having fun doing it, okay? You're having too much fun. No such thing. You're having too no much such fun. Thing. If, you're on, if you're on the side of saying that other people are having too much fun, you're on the side of evil. I like I like doing kettlebell swings. I'm not hurting anyone think, except except that one guy that I did hurt by swinging, and I am sorry. And that's it. I think I'm on the side of too much fun when people are trying to write scripts nobody will ever read, and you're grunting so loud. I'm not I, okay. So let's be fair. Here. It was loud. It wasn't that loud. You can't quietly work out with a kettlebell on a it on a coffee only, patio. It only got loud when they told us to leave the patio. 
and then we went on the sidewalk and started to use the boxing mitts. Then it did get loud, but whose fault is that? It Who's wasn't that. It also wasn't even the working out that was really loud. It was more so like the uh, the motivation, the, the chest puffing <laughs> yeah. that comes out. Because you and you and Malik would work out, but you were constantly competing against each other. So it wasn't like yeah. really grunting. It was more like Malik being like, "Man, I can do like ten reps of those." And yeah, you're like, "No, you can't." Yeah, and it was yeah, like immediate yeah. yelling. Yeah, it's the yeah. only way you can respond to uh, that, dude. That was so fun. Do you remember? Uh, at the uh, yes. that late night mic Westside what or no 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 oh no Westside was funny too no you mean d- Pack Theater Pack Theater yeah, I do you remember the Pack Theater when we were working out in the hallway and I broke a light with the kettlebell and then we had to sweep it up and then a woman came out and was like hey, uh, you guys can't work out in here. And we were like, sorry. And she was like, but you can work out out back. And then me and Malik worked out out back for two and a half hours. Yeah, it was pretty funny because I think the out back was kind of her way of trying to be nice, but really telling you to stop work out. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, great. There's a spot out no, back. Oh, she was so like, hey, guys, like you can't work out inside. I mean, like if you wanted to, like, I guess you could work out. If you out. were fucking insane enough yeah, yeah, to continue. And we were like, oh, yeah, we'll go out back. Yeah, it's an, <laughs> it's an independent theater space. And the only reason she spoke to you nicely is because you guys were weapons. Right. At the open mic. Like, Malik is a trained boxer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, almost professional boxer, which means he can... Was a professional boxer. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, respect on Malik. Which means that... Even if he wasn't professional, still even being slightly under that level oh, means you can cr- beat oh, anybody in a fight. You can beat anyone in a fight. Yeah. Like, if it was me doing it, she'd be like, what the hell? Right. But with her, she's like, all right, these are guys, they're jacked up. Yeah. I don't know how they feel about hidden ladies. They might feel fine about <laughs> it, so I got to come in soft right. to not get rocked. Well, and and we were very respectful, but the... But, and that's the funniest part to be doing something so outlandish and then be like, oh, yeah, very sorry about that. It's like, what yeah. do you, it's too, you're already being a dick. I'm not you're being, being a dickhead dick. already. Everyone else is okay. It's the same thing as like people feel comfortable smoking in public but not stretching in public. Why do you feel more comfortable smoking? Because of social norms, baby. Okay. And LA is all about breaking those. Okay. That's why people move here is because where they're from is too restrictive and they want to be free. And express themselves. And that is exactly what me and Malik were doing. We were being free and we were expressing ourselves. Do you do you think working out on the street is more accepted in LA than it would be in New Bedford, Massachusetts? Yes. Really? Ab Oh in New Bedford, Massachusetts, they would call the fucking cops on you. Yeah, they don't I, they don't even know what a kettlebell is. They're like, oh, there's two guys with like some weird bomb we've never seen before. I guess, yeah, people kind of work out by just going to their regular job there, yeah, right? That's right. kind of the workout. Oh, they, or they just don't. They just don't. You know. Yeah. Where do you think people in America work out the most? Do you think it's like L.A.? Oh, that's a really great question. Like, per, And not just the kind of like people getting yoked. I mean, people staying in shape and hitting the gym. No, I, I don't think it's L.A. I, I really don't know. I, I think it's probably like per, per capita. Miami? It, Again, no, because you have to think of, like, there's a, a working class demographic there in, in, like, all the, like, L.A. and Miami that just don't, like, they're just having fun and they're not partying or they have, like, a working class job where it doesn't allow them to really work out. I would probably say it's somewhere like Boulder, Colorado, like, per capita. Oh, you mean of just people, regular dads hitting the gym every morning? I, I, just everybody. To, just or, to hit the elliptical. Or, like, the psycho hikers and the psycho, like... That is working out, too. Yeah, I exactly. Guess. The psycho yeah. kayakers and stuff. 
that I think that's a big, yeah, big percent. I think the gym culture though has to be biggest in L.A. Gym culture, yeah, but just just because there's so many people, yeah, absolutely. Golds, Muscle Beach, yeah, every gay gym in L.A. Like yeah. the gyms are gym still golds, gyms are yeah, so still golds, yeah, so, still gold. Gyms are a big part of L.A. culture where it's like being a hot influencer, yeah, being generally gay. Wanting to be a movie star, you're you're not into the uh, a gym gaze though. When you're when you're looking at a when you're looking at a man in a sexual way, you're not into a gym guy. I think I'm kind of like when it comes to fellas, yeah. And not that I've really experienced this, but I think I'm kind of like a lady where I might oh. say I'm into a certain type of guy, but if some buff guy came up and was like really charming, you want to try this out? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I don't know, like I could get picked up. Yeah, just don't be mean to me. Yeah, but like, yeah, be yeah. Nice. like I'll try it out. You yeah. know, like I'm sure. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, I've like, I've like, uh, I've jerked off to all types of men. I sure. really like skinny guys are great. And in in person, when I was single, I would like to fuck guys that I could kill because it made me feel safe. Right. Because you haven't experienced this, but like, it is interesting. The first time you meet up with a guy, yeah. you're like, fuck. Like a dude's coming over. Yeah. Not like a lady, like a dude. He could turn on me, and now I got to fight a guy, which is probably not going to happen. But as a man, you know, it's always like... No, that is so fascinating. I think you know that, what I mean? That, so that's part of it. I think that probably gives you like a really high level of empathy, too, in that way. It's made me understand sex for a woman a lot more. Right. Because... Like, as a man, it's so much easier. I couldn't imagine being a woman going over to a guy's apartment. Just being like, I fucking hope he doesn't kill me. Yeah. And it's the same thing with a guy, but it's more like, I hope he doesn't fight me. Because I still got a shot here. Right. So that's the thing. Like, with a big buff guy, it's like, I could let a big buff guy throw me around and and fuck me and shit. But if he started, like, calling me a bitch or something. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, hey, man, like, I'm not really into that. Like, you know, I'll, I'll let you be on top, whatever. But, like, don't call me a bitch. If then he was like, no. Then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to leave. And then if he was like, I don't want you to leave. Well, that's just assault. Now I'm, exactly. But that's yeah. what I'm saying is yeah. like, what if it turns? And then it's like, you know, it's like, no, that talk is. Talk about a big guy, you know? It's so funny because like, if you're a straight guy, I think it's rare that you actually put yourself in the shoes of like, because if you're a straight guy and you know, like, oh, I'm not the kind of guy that would ever do anything like you know bad to a woman that came over it's like she doesn't know that and there's no way for her to know no. so like i think there is this like kind of negligence in that way of being you know i i think as you get older you learn more and more but like when you're younger i think it is very easy to be like oh like why not just why not just come over or whatever like why not? and it's like yeah. oh because you're a fucking potential threat yeah so you gotta hope guys are cool but i mean honestly the hottest thing in the world is like is this guy gonna kill me you know what i mean like there's that gets people going so i remember like i think uh i think it's honestly like yeah i'll fuck dudes but there's still a lot of internalized homophobia in me so i think right. that's why i'll fuck skinnier dudes right because like i remember like i was fucking a guy and like he he was he was going to the gym a little and he wasn't buff he was still like twinkie but like he was getting toned and i remember feeling his arms and thinking that was hot and being like you fucking faggot you know what i mean like like, that was gay as shit to think. Like, while having, like, he was inside of me, and I was like, hey, what are you, gay? Yeah. Like, you know? And I remember one time I went to his house, and I had bailed on him a couple times. And I think he was a little, I think he was a little pissed right. that I'd bailed on him. 
And, you know, usually there'd be a conversation of like, uh, who's going to take the dick tonight? You know right. what I mean? Um, sometimes who's you switch gonna off. Who's going to take the dick tonight? Usually there was a little conversation. But uh, after like foreplay, he just kind of put on the condom and seemed a little pissed. And not like pissed pissed, but like a little more like, I'm going to fuck you. Yeah. And then he fucked me and was like l- a little less nice about it. And there was a part of me as a man that was like, why the fuck am I letting this guy push me around? But then there's the other part of me that was like, this is hot as hell. Like, whoa. this guy's kind of mad at me. Like, whoa, like, look at you fucking me all angry. Yeah. So there's that part of it, which is very exciting, you know? And luckily, I, you know, I I trusted him. He was a nice guy. I knew True. he wasn't actually going to hurt me. I guess but, that's the thing is, like, you need a level of trust. But, yeah, and we had hooked up before, you know, so, like, that was fine. But, like, if I went out to a gay bar and there was, like, a very, like, because uh, it's weird. A lot of the things that maybe could attract you to somebody could eventually get you into trouble. Or like if you're at a gay bar and some big buff guy comes up to you and he's like, I like you, I want you, you want to go home, you could be like, oh, okay, you know, and then you go home. But then all of a sudden, like that kind of pushes to a part where he's like, I'm going to do it, whatever I want. And then you're like, oh, I, no, I didn't. I thought the regular rules of consent still applied. But now I'm realizing this isn't so much of an act for you and this is kind of how you are. And that right. scares me. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah. Because like when you're in a relationship, if you have like rough sex, it's like great. Because, like, she knows you're not going to fucking kill her. But you're right. like, I'm going to fucking kill you. You know what I mean? Like, you say it, but she knows you don't mean it because you love each other. You know what right. I mean? But if you're in a one-night stand with a guy, there's also, like, you know, gay cultures. You know, it's more flagrant. You know what I mean? Sometimes even still because of it being taboo. So it's like there are levels to which it's like, is this? And real people really show themselves during sex. So yeah. you're like, are, is something else going to come out of you? Right. Because this is spooky. Right. You know? So there's, you know... There's levels you have to run with it. But I don't know. I bet, like, if if Meredith broke up with me, I would probably go fuck a guy and usually fuck, maybe, after I after a few months getting over the relationship, just yeah. to try it out. Yeah, just see what it's like. I remember I messaged with a with a very buff, taller man on Grindr. Yeah. And, uh, and it was funny, because he was like, yeah, why don't we go to coffee first and meet each other? And I was like, ah, fuck off. Yeah. But, uh... But yeah, I've gone for it. I thought uh, I hooked up with a woman for the first time who was uh, taller than me. How was that? Great. I had no, I you know, and you thought about it. Not, you know, when when we were like walking from one place to another, it did like I was like, oh, she's taller than me, but it didn't hit me. Honestly, I was more prepared for it to be a factor. Uh, then, but I, I've dated women who are the exact same height as me, but it is a little different. Like yeah. when they're the exact same height as you, you can kind of be like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm a little tall, but then when someone yeah. who's like just legitimately just taller, taller than you. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as a four foot five man, uh, which I am, I do find it to be a little difficult finding women that are shorter than me. Four foot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's tough. You'd have to you'd be dating little people, I guess. Yeah, I you guess are so. a little. Per- yeah, I mean at that point you'd have to find like the smallest dwarf out there, mm. which would be tough. It would be tough to date a little person. It is weird, you know. It's weird. It's like uh, even when even though I came out with queer, it's still hard to accept certain parts of it. Like you how? still feel gay for it. Like just like letting a guy like be the dominant one is like you're still like there's still this part of you that's like. You're not a man anymore. Well, but you're also like, I'm also agreeing to do this. So well, any of but, that stuff is not really here. But that's the thing with like... Like I let this happen. Th- there, that's the thing with culture, like in a lot of places where it's like, uh, 
even if you are gay or engaging in queer sex, you're like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to be gay about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be gay about this gay sex I'm having. Which sucks because like, yeah. like when you finally let that stuff go, you come harder than you've ever come before. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I've had some amazing comes just by breaking down uh, homophobia. Yeah. Because that's, that's also what's hot about it is like the world hates you for it. I guess even I, nowadays, like I, I know it's not like the eighties, yeah. but like, it's crazy to be like getting fucked by a guy and being like, damn, some people want to behead me for this. Yeah. A lot of people, you know? Yeah. And then it's like really exciting. <laughs> like I gay sex in like the seventies, like before AIDS, but when it was still taboo, like that was probably the hottest sex that's ever existed. Interesting. Cause it's like, I snuck out of my parents' house to go to a gay bar and now this guy is fucking my ass in the bathroom. And I, right. I feel like I have no control. But really, I'm sure if I told the fella, hey, I'm done, he'd be nice about it. Right. But it's like you come harder than ever because it's, it's your... And I feel like a real person or a whole person for the first time in my life. Yeah. yeah. You just got to remember that you are letting it happen. Yeah. You're like, I'm not actually... He's not really taking... A, I'm letting this guy. You know what I mean? Do you have to remind yourself of that? I think as a man with insecurities about it. Yeah. I think, I think women don't because they understand the power of it where they're like this fucking guy thinks he's on top when really I'm giving him my pussy right like I have the power here right like I'm giving him and if I take it away he's gonna freak out to the point he would be violent you know what yeah, I mean yeah. but it's like really it's like I'm fucking I got all the power here because I got the thing that he wants and right. I, and I'm gonna let him pretend that he's taking it from me because it's hot to him and hot to me and you know it's like taboo stuff but really I got all the all the power here. Very interesting. You know what I mean? It's kind of like being like, it's kind of like being like, like, hey, I got the sandwich. You want to eat it? And then he's like, yeah, oh yeah, look, I'm eating your sandwich. And meanwhile, you're like, this is what makes me come is watching you eat the sandwich. And I made the sandwich. And you wouldn't even have the sandwich if I didn't make it. So really, I run this situation. Whoa. I'm just letting you eat the sandwich. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I never that's, thought of it that way. That's yeah, why that like sex wise and stuff, it's like, it's like really guys like, you have to remember that like it's very kind of boyish and laughable when you are like the rough one. And like the reason women think it's really hot is because deep down when they trust you and love you, they know that you're playing a part and they're letting you play it. So they're not like like of course that the parts are being activated of like ooh big strong guy taking me over, but it's also like oh yeah, it's nice to see him play tough guy and to know that you're in reality safe. Exactly. That's and that's why you do it because truly they know underneath it all it's all an act. And that's always the funny thing to me with rough sex is like realizing that it's, it can almost be embarrassing where you're like, well, thank God that she's that we're in agreement and this isn't embarrassing because really I'm like acting almost. Yeah, there's that whole thing like that schism in uh, feminism where like Andrea Dworkin was like, oh, yeah, like rough sex is actually really bad. And it's like I don't agree with it, but it is an interesting like concept. I don't think it's really bad because I think you're both um, – consenting to yeah, play, no, of course. to of play course. a part. Of course. You're mimicking things. I mean, that's why people with like a lot of sexual trauma will be into rough sex because the act of having rough sex is cathartic because now it's consensual. So the one thing that has brought you shame your entire life, you are now allowing to happen to you from a trusted person and that makes you come so hard. Yeah, that's why whenever I have sex, I ask the woman to ask me to spell things. And that, that, I don't like that. Why not? Like, physical, 
domination is something I can understand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that time I was fucking that guy and he was a little mad at me. I was like, oh, this is hot. You know, like this guy's mad at me. But like, like if a lady's ever like, oh yeah, you're stupid dick. I'm always like, I don't have a stupid dick. I don't like psychological. Someone's told you. Oh yeah. I guess. No, a woman has told me I have a stupid dick. Actually. She said, uh, something, something, your big, stupid dick. And oh, was, that's different. Yeah. Well, but it's still like, why did you say that? Yeah, you know when women go for that thing where they're like, oh, yeah, you really think you're going to make me come? Like, maybe they'll try that out with you to see oh, if you I've like never, that. I've never had that one. I've been with women who have just tried to see if I'm into that. Like, oh, they don't mean it, but they're trying to see if that part is... And I kind of... Yeah. I have to stop, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't like being humiliated. No, I like being humiliated. I like when a woman's like, do your taxes. Why haven't you done your yeah? taxes? Yeah, like, just real normal <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, why don't you... Why haven't like, they you? look over, and they're like, look at all those dishes in the yeah. fucking sink. Why, why is there clothes on the floor? You don't know how to clean anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was, I was with a... Mm-hmm. I was with a, with a lady one time, and she was like... And she was like, oh, yeah, is that... Is that all you want? Yeah, you just want to fuck and like kind of calling me dumb. Like all I want to do is fuck. That's cool. And it was really funny because I was also high at the time, which is really bad for like a kind of role playish setting. Because she was like, "Yeah, you just want to fuck. That's all you want." And in my head, I was like, "I'm so much more than that." <laughs> I was like, "I don't think of you that way." Like, do you think that? And you almost want to stop and be like, "Seriously?" Hey, I excuse me, time out. I contain magnitudes. It's like we have a lot of great conversations about really interesting societal topics. I went like, to college. <laughs> I went to college. I have a bachelor's. I, excuse me. I went to college. I took existentialism. Okay, that just. On its own, that would be such a funny thing to say during sex. I went to college. Oh, yeah. I went to college. (laughs) Yeah, that would be sick, actually, if you're pumping yourself up. Instead of being like, you like that big dick, you're like, I fucking went to all four years. I got a degree. I graduated on time. Oh, my professors loved me. Did you graduate on time? Yeah. What's up with people that don't? I, I, I have a really funny story of my graduation day. I, uh... I didn't go to my graduation. Do you go to your graduation? It was a pandemic, so it was on Zoom. Oh, right. We had like a family party, but there was nowhere to go. No party. No, didn't go to the graduation. I was doing a open micer show at uh at this like person's basement or whatever. Okay. And while I'm on, uh, the power went out, so we're doing it by candlelight. We're doing like an open mic by candlelight at a person's show or a person's house. It was pretty fun. And uh, yeah, that seems fun. During my set, I get a text from my dad that said, "Did you graduate?" Because <laughs> he heard the graduation was happening. Well, he just didn't. Know. He was just like, "Did you graduate?" Did that like, end up I happening? Didn't... Yeah, yeah. Did that yeah. work out? Did it happen? And that's when the grad. Did you know the graduation was happening, and you chose not to go? Yeah, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. I, I, every time, because why would you? It's not an dude. What this... you major in? communication so. yeah and creative writing too so yeah. it's like what am i gonna act like well, this was crazy that no. i pulled this off here's the thing there are certain things that people say i've always i've never liked a ceremony never it just never been my thing i don't like ceremony i've never liked uh oh weird like an end of whatever banquet or like this yeah. is a celebration or whatever i've never liked that and every time you tell people you don't like that they always say shit like, oh, well, you're going to regret not going, right? When you're going to regret it. Never. When you, if you don't, I know you don't want to go now. I know you don't want to go to your 30th 
third cousin's wedding now, but if you don't go, you're going to regret it. Not only do I not regret not going to my graduation, I think back on that unwasted day where I would otherwise be sitting in the hot sun and I would, I'm like, and I think about my high school graduation. I think could have skipped it. Yeah. Could have skipped. Don't give a shit. I almost would have been fine to have not graduated from high school. Well, yeah, now you wouldn't. Yeah. You know, it's like, I I always knew I was going to do stand up anyway. And I just wanted, not that I do it professionally now, but I was going to pursue it anyway. You keep saying that. Yes, you do. Well, but I mean, like, I make money off my... I work at a comedy club, so I make money that And they way. hired not, you because you're good at stand-up. They didn't hire you because you're fucking good at parking oh, cars. Oh, sure, and all that... In fact, you know, I know that because you're shit at parking cars. No, I'm... No, no, no. I'm the best at it at the store. At the store, you're the best? 100%. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because what it takes to be a good lot guy... But you get pissed all the time. That's part of being a good lot guy. Interesting. Is you... You're a guy that is very, like, isolated... And fine to just stand in a lot by themselves until somebody shows up. And the people that are bad at it, who will go unnamed, like there's one guy, he just, he's, he'll probably have a better career than me, currently does because he's very social and he's terrible at the lot because he's never in it. He's always having fun around the store, right? Doing other stuff. I love the lot because I can stand 20 feet away from all these conversations I don't want to be in and just smoke and not. What I'm be a saying part of is. And I keep the shit tight, I get everybody out. While you might be the best door guy at parking cars, what I'm saying is they could have just hired a professional valet. 100%. And they didn't. Yeah. No, I mean, they did hire me for stand-up, and that's very nice. I'm just saying I don't make money off of doing shows and podcasts. If you think you're better than these pro valets in Los Angeles, you're out of your goddamn mind. I could hang, though. Oh, I don't know about that, dude. There is a a guy who parked my car... Uh, at the sushi restaurant, because um, they they require you to get it valeted. I saw him one try back it into the tightest space I've ever seen in my entire life. You've seen Windows how tight in. I get it. I, I I've I've seen I have seen how tight you get it. I get it tight. No, not tight enough. Was he skinnier than me? No, he was shorter and he was a little wider. Of course he was. He's a valet. Yeah, that's yeah. the valet body. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what was I saying? You were saying you're you're not a professional stand-up comedian. But what was I it? What was, why with. did I say that? And also, you make money from it. I don't know, man. I completely forgot where we were. But I don't know. I mean, you got to get fucked by a huge guy <laughs> at some point in your life. You know, it's like otherwise. I don't know. You, That's you, kind of the whole. Like, if you think full throttle, the largest looping coaster in North we, America is entertaining. You ever been fucked? With you saying that and me dressed the way I am, it sounds like you're just selling me on the podcast. It's like you need out, you need to get fucked. No, I'm by saying a you're a big, big guy. guy. You should go find a bigger guy. A bigger, it just doesn't exist. That's come on. That's I'm the, five foot ten, one hundred and eighty pounds. Who's bigger than me? Find a five foot eleven, hundred eighty five pound guy. Exist. I've looked. It doesn't and exist. See, I'm the biggest. I'm the biggest guy in the world. That's like fucking being in the Civil War. That's the closest we get to Civil War nowadays. It's gay sex. Interesting. You know, that's, you know, fighting a battle. Are we going to get through this? Sometimes it takes two days, you know? We'll, we'll lick them tomorrow. Dearest you know? Martha, I write back to you in low spirits but high love. We have been fucked. I've been fucked for the last two and a half days. That would be so awesome if they fought with gay sex in the Civil War. We fastened bayonets twice. I wonder if anyone, I guess, 
I wonder if anyone had sex during the Civil War. Oh, if anyone? Like, of well, just course. like on the battlefield, it's just like so dirty and everybody's so clumped together. And, you know, if you're. That I don't know. You know what's so interesting is uh, Grant, this is the worst thing he ever did in his entire life. It's the worst thing he ever did. So during the Civil War, there was an issue where traders from the North would keep trading with uh, Confederate cotton growers and other people in the South that had goods so they could keep the Northern economy flowing because they needed uniforms for the Union, but you got to get cotton for that, so you got to buy from the South. So it was this big issue where they're like, stop stimulating the South's economy, but all these guys kept doing it, and they referred to the guys that were doing that as Jews, and they were not Jewish. Not all these people were Jewish, but these traders that were betraying the Union. It's crazy anti-Semitism was still like big back then. I mean, literally since the dawn of Judaism. There's been, but I mean, like, specifically that, that obviously, yes, but that specific form of anti-Semitism. Well, that's the crazy thing about anti-Semitism is that, like, as there are maybe uh, bigger, more prominent issues, uh, like, with, with other races going on, like, like literal slavery, anti-Semitism is still there. It's always me, just there. Let me also rephrase, like, American anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. And so they're referred to as Jews— and so uh, Ulysses um, signed an order that banished all Jews from the area, which is a pretty common theme in the Jewish history. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So they were just calling them that, but then Ulysses was like, all right, let's get them out of here. Everyone that's Jewish, he said, get them out of here. Whoa. Which happens all the time to Jews. Yeah. Wherever they are, they're like, get them out of here. Yeah. And uh, everyone was like, what is wrong? Like, even during the Civil War, they were like, what is wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. And he was like, I'm so sorry. And it's because his dad was a businessman that kept ruining his life, and he was working with two Jewish businessmen. So really, it was like a petty familial Whoa. thing to do, like, which is crazy how politics can be influenced just by your own life. It's like if his father Damn. wasn't doing that, he kind of did that to spite his father. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then he banished all these Jews. But it's it's crazy, too, because... And I'm going to go um, on record. I don't know if, if you want to go on record right now, but I I am going to go on record and say I think that's fucked up. I also agree that that is you fucked up. You think that's fucked up, Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And Ulysses himself, like, a couple months later was like, ah! You know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the funniest part is that um, there were, uh, of course, uh, Jewish soldiers in the Union. But what's funny is there were also Jewish soldiers in the Confederacy. Whoa. Which means there are like Jewish Americans today whose ancestors were in the Confederacy, which is to me is just such a funny, interesting person to be. To be like, oh, we're Jews, but yeah, there was, there were people committing treason to defend slavery in my family. It's like, really? Right. As Jewish people? That is a, that is a roller coaster of a family history. It's insane. Yeah. Like, absolutely insane. And yeah, it was a really sad time in American history. I mean, there's like a Jewish union general who was like, dog, yeah. like I've been fighting. We were boys. For you. Yeah. But I mean, it's like the, the percentage of like Jewish Confederate Dude, soldiers. It's like if you, you know, wrote an order that there's no more jacked guys allowed at the comedy store. There's not a lot. What do you mean? Jacked guys walking yeah, around what, the comedy but store. What do you mean by that? I mean, I'm saying that not a lot of people at the comedy store are buff. Okay. I mean, you work out. You come yeah. around sometimes, but... Yeah, what are you saying? I'm not saying you're not jacked. Okay. 
Good. Why do you get you get so jacked just to still wonder if people think you're jacked? Well, I need to I need to help them understand. Yeah, that's why you got that's why you only wear tank tops now. You when was the last them. time you wore a t-shirt? Well, I, I wear them to work out, but like a t-shirt out and also every time I see you, you have the flannel on, and within minutes it's off. Well, it's important to it's show. It's like people. a decoy. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I'm a normal guy. Boom! It's a tearaway fr- flannel. You gotta have a tearaway. Yeah, it really flannel. is just a. T- you're gonna get to the point where you're wearing tearaway track pants. Oh, dude, I have a little short shorts on. Do there. you want to like be buffer? That's a great question. Because the level you're now is still, you still look like a normal person, right? Yeah. But if you go like five steps higher, you start getting weird. Yeah, no, I don't. But wanna... you have a brain that would let yourself get weird looking. I don't think so. Uh, here's the thing: if I, if I ever attain a level of success in comedy to the point where like I don't have to worry about money anymore I have a home gym and I can buy all the supplements I want would you be healthier though if you did that no right because you also like health too which is kind of I think that's kind of what keeps you safe no I don't this is this is such a common misconception People think anyone who is strong is into health. It's like, no, most of them are just wrecking their bodies no, but every that's, day. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. don't think you're doing that. I no, think a lot no, of those really. guys wreck their bodies to be jacked, but you are worried about like smoking and drinking and so, eating and you and you don't succumb to peer pressure and it's all in the name of health that is completely yeah. separate from the working I, out. That, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, though that that's a good point. But I think it would just be if I oh if I just, if I had like unlimited money and like unlimited food money and then a home gym, good night church. I am gonna be fucking. There's gonna be a period of time where I get over two hundred. Be tough to get jacked when you're on tour, though. Yeah, that's. I mean, you can find gyms and stuff, but like, there's like specific gyms to get like jacked. Yeah, most gyms keep you healthy. Yeah, no, you need you like, need a gym. You need a gym where it's like mismatched dumbbells but they go up to like 500 they go up to a weight that a human being has never lifted before yeah that's what you want for the dumbbell wrap you want an old uh preacher curl machine and you want a is that, is that like this yeah it, it like locks your your i would uh, do those elbows into place yeah i'd yeah, go yeah. to the gym with my grandpa i'd do that you want an old preacher curl machine and you want a guy who is still wearing zumba pants from the 80s and a headband. Yeah, you do want that. I need to find another trainer that was like my 85-year-old grandfather. Because he was the no. best. At one point in my life, he just decided he was going to teach me how to run. Yeah. And so he, we, we would not only run, we would do specific running training. So he'd be like, this week we're going to the track. We're going to do fart licks to increase your cardio. Yeah. This day we're going to go to the gym and we're just going to work out in general. The gym wasn't right. so specific working out, but it was also like, you know, work the calves or whatever. Yeah. And then we would go for like regular just sort of long distance runs but he was also 85 something about that i like because an 85 year old will jack you up in the way it's not like a young trainer who's like you ready he's like all right here's what we're gonna do it's like having a a farmer teach you which he was so this is the this is the worst thing about the uh like whatever personal training market or whatever you want to call it is there is such an emphasis put on how jacked the person is who is teaching you these things. I don't like, need that. Well, number one. You need a guy that knows stuff. That's probably not your goal. 
right? Being three hundred pounds of muscle. Number two, there's so many things like genetics and predisposition that go into that sort of thing. And number three, it's just a like it's literally called appeal to authority. It is a literal logical fallacy that you are committing by being like, Oh, well, I don't want to be it's like a a guy who's like heavier can still have knowledge. Like those are not mutually exclusive things. Yeah, you could be like four hundred pounds, but still give me a solid regimen. A thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my grandpa was just good at running, so he knew what he was talking about. It's like, oh, I need my co- I need my basketball coach to be able to dunk. It's like, no, you don't. No, I'll tell you what. I think I'm gearing up for a growth spurt. I think I got a big growth spurt in my future. I don't, but for some reason, I'm able to eat so much more than I have been in the last few years. Oh, good for you, dude. Last night, I had a humongous plate of chicken and pasta with a bunch of cheese and butter, and then I had a a full separate full-size plate of all salad, and then after that, I ate like a kilo of almonds, and then I ate like two snack bars, and I don't know where all this is coming from, but I can just house food. I think that's a good thing. But I'm like gaining weight. It's, you should, but I don't know why. Skinny, you should gain a little weight. I'm getting rounder. I don't like it. I want to be gaunt. No, don't be gaunt. This is bullshit. I want to go to a trainer and be like, "How do I look like I do meth?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do really, I? That would really piss the trainer off. You should do that. I really want to go be like, I really just want like zero body fat, but like not really any muscle either. We should go eating after this. Can we go eating? You want to go eating? Yeah. Do you want to go eating after this? You're saying it in a different way than get lunch, though. What do you, do you mean? mean something specific? Yeah, we'll go eat. You're saying going eating like it's we're gonna eat crazy. No, well, it's not. It's not really going to lunch. It's we're we're going eating. Going to lunch is like you sit at one place and you get a big plate. No, we, we're gonna go eating, dude. You want to go to like a food festival? No, like well, eat multiple things. You, you can go eating at a food festival. Yeah, but you can also just go eating around. Is this a term you use? Yeah. What's the difference between that and lunch? Get some here, get some there, meal, 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 boom, 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 I don't boom. Think I, I don't think I have that kind of cash right now. I'll spot you. To go eating like Let's go that. eating. Come on. Live a little. I think I was also high. I don't know. I think it's that munchies that's getting me. Damn, dude. Come on. I had a good night. I did stand-up. I got high, then I watched Sebastian oh, Maniscalco be so are, good at doing stand-up. Your hands are so sweaty. Yeah, I'm sweaty right now. It's hot in here. Because I got so much tea. Yeah, you are tea. Talking up. to a high tea guy. Which I didn't know. Oh, that's tea sweat right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if we combine this with the first 22 minutes, which hopefully we've kept, if we haven't, this is enough of a podcast. Oh, but can I can I plug my stuff real quick? Yeah, of course. Plug your stuff. Um, my, uh, my arm is like 30, 30 inches around. My uh, hip to waist ratio is like two to one. Um, what else? Over 40 inches on the chest. I'd probably do, like, podcast show dates. Oh, okay. I'm a dancer's podcast. Um, this isn't, like, a bodybuilding thing. No, I know, but I just like to kind of give my stats. Who do you think's watching? Anyone I want. I'll tell you who's watching. Sam Lindsay, <laughs> AJ O'Connell. That's who's watching Oh, this. that's awesome. What's up, boys? And then whatever 28 to 35-year-old women are your fans. Yeah, well, we'll see. Which was our only fan base on the last podcast we had. Nothing wrong with that. That was it. That's fine. I loved them. They were good supporters. Um, well, I love everyone who's ever listened to this podcast. Keep supporting Cooper. Give him a kiss. Thanks so much for tuning in. I love you.